0: Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello everyone, today we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for February 2022. We'll focus on our three key insights. The first being everything in the Vancouver region's resale market is increasing. Inventory may be rising, but many listings are stale. Interest rates aren't starting to increase, they've been increasing for more than a year. My name is Justine Liu, I'm managing broker at Rennie, and joining me as always is Ryan Berlin. Rennie's Senior Economist and Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, our Senior Analyst with our Intelligence Division. I am also excited to welcome Clark Mallory, a Rennie Advisor and Rennie Leader since our first year with Rennie in 2016. Clark specializes in the Chilliwack region and the eastern part of the Fraser Valley. Welcome everyone. Welcome Ryan, Ryan, and Clark. How are you today?
1: Uh, Great. Thanks, Justine. It's good to be here. Thank you. It's great to be back in person, too. I love this in person. I know. The energy is much much better, better, right? It is. It really is. I've seen so many people with like a cat background on their (laughs) Zoom meetings and stuff. So this is real. Yeah. This feels good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's hard to be serious and do a podcast with a cat background, right? It is. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be averse to cats being in the room with us right now.
0: Ooh, I would have allergies.
2: Mm, Okay.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't go too well. (laughs) No cats. All right. um, So let's get into our first insight. Everything in the Vancouver region's resale market is increasing. So the stats show that sales, inventory and prices were all up in February. So my question is for Ryan Wise. We usually see market activity increase for January and February. Or is this just a typical seasonality or is there more at play here?
3: Um, Yeah, I'd say there is. So I think it's important, like you say, to talk about, you know, the typical seasonality. It's a very seasonal industry we all work in. Um, And so, you know, spring is the busiest time of year. Things slow down a bit in the summer, pick back up in the fall, and then really slow down in the winter. Um, And so January to February is a time when we normally see market activity pick up. Um, But what we're talking about here is some pretty big increases. And I'd, I'd say it's a pretty busy February we saw last month. And so right across the board, there was a lot of activity that happened in February. Um, so starting with sales, sales were up over 5,000, um, which was the first time since November. 5,000 sales represents, for our region, a very busy month for sales activity. And when you factor in, of course, the backdrop of every single month, we talk mm-hmm. about how inventory is still constrained. To do 5,000 sales against really constrained inventory is, is quite a busy month. Um, so those sales were down compared to last February. Last February, of course, was you know a, a bit of a torrid month. There's a really busy early 2021. um, But there was still 29% above the long run February average. So it was a very busy month for sales. And like you say, it wasn't just sales, it was prices and inventory as well. So Mm -hmm. we saw a lot of month to month price growth as well. Um, Across the board, prices were up um, in the the board of Vancouver. So 5% for detached homes month to month, 4% for condos, 6% for townhomes. And price growth was even greater in the Fraser Valley. So 6%. For detached homes and up to 7% for condos, which, if you extrapolate these month to month changes out over the course of a year, you're talking about more than doubling of the price. So, 7% month to month extrapolated for a full year is up to 125% year over year increase. So, you know, we probably won't see those that big of a year over year increase, but I do think it just speaks to um, how busy that February market was and how much upward pressure there was on prices. And when we talk about listings, which we always You know, we get into it Mm -hmm. a lot on the podcast. Um, And we mentioned last month that, you know, listings finally rose for the first time in January and they rose a lot more in February. So they're up 33% month to month, which again, the typical seasonal pattern is about a 7% increase. So much bigger than normal Mm -hmm. increase from January to February. Great news. But the other side of the coin is we're still below that, that 10,000 listing threshold which again, we used to talk about as being sort of the floor of this market. We, right. we never really seen listings go below 10,000 except for two months in the history of our market, going all the way back to 1989. So, you know, everything is increasing, but we're still dealing with a pretty um, supply constrained market. So, yes, it's a very interesting um, overview there, right?
2: What really stands out to me is prices increasing on a month to month basis between, you know, four and seven percent. And there's, there's, a couple sixes in there and a seven percent month over month increase. That would be a significant increase in a in an average year uh, for prices over a twelve month period. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I mean these are these are unsustainable price increases right now in a function of a lot of demand chasing uh, very limited supply. But I guess Clark, for you you know, we're talking about the Vancouver region, which technically speaking does not include Chilliwack, but functionally it's really all part of the same market. Are you seeing the same types of uh, characteristics and trends in Chilliwack as as Ryan has sort of described for the broader region?
1: Uh, I would say yes, generally as a whole, uh, things are similar out at the eastern part of the valley than they would be here in the city. Uh, in February, we did see some like dramatic price increases. Uh, interestingly, though, when you look at that increase, uh, it seemed that a lot of properties, if they would get multiple offers, would get fewer offers. Uh, but there would be one offer that would like go shoot the moon and really like push that price up. Uh, and and I'm seeing that still that continuing that you know you're getting less of a dramatic over asking a bid than, than, Mm -hmm. in the past. That's interesting. I wonder, I mean, be
2: interested to get your thoughts on why you think that's happening. Like, is there, uh, you know, is it, is it because um, I'm going to use air quotes, but that Chilliwack is more affordable than other markets. So if you do have downsizers or people moving out of the more expensive parts of the region into like deeper into the Valley, they're less sort of, price sensitive. And so if they see a place they like, they're willing to just go for it. And as long, you know, there may not be multiple, you know, buyers like that for a,
1: for one property, but, but what you're seeing is that there's, there's,
2: there's one for
1: many. Absolutely. You know, that's always been a bit of a bone of contention, uh, for locals in, in Chilliwack, um, Hmm. trying to compete with a buyer who's come from the city who, You know, if if your properties are worth 30% more and you have all that extra that you've been able to pull out of your home when you've sold it, then you come to Chilliwack and you're trying to compete with a local buyer, the local buyer really doesn't have much of a chance. Mm -hmm. And uh, we found, like I I found, and my colleagues out there would say that there's been quite a trend with the increase in the number of buyers that are not from Chilliwack. Um, mm-hmm. I actually took a look at a stat yesterday and over the past four months, uh, 60% of the buyer's agents are from either the Fraser Valley board or from the uh, Vancouver board. So that's like, uh, presumably most of those, uh, uh, out of Chilliwack board agents are bringing buyers from, you know, those outside markets into Chilliwack. So that definitely is, uh, impacting uh, prices.
3: I also wonder, do you think some of these people maybe have missed out, that have been in multiple offer situations a few times before, have missed out, and are now saying, okay, I really want this property, so
1: I'm going to come in with a really high bid to make Absol- sure I get absolutely. it. Absolutely, you know, uh, I worked with many different buyers over the past year who, you know, they're, that frustration grows. It's a difficult uh, thing to, you know, have to console your buyer over, but at some particular point, if you're coming from the city, let's say, and you want that property, you've got the means to do it
2: for sure. And also, you know, when you look at um, older older buyers, so maybe you know retirees are close to that retirement stage. I think at that that stage in life, you're less concerned about the appreciation of the value of your home uh, or how much you're going to earn in the future from your home than you are about you know the the types of um, you know the lifestyle that you that that will be associated with the home that you're living in you know, as you, <laughs> for lack of a better term, live out your days, right? So, you know, I don't know, are you seeing, like, has there been a shift at all in the buyer profile in the sense that you have, um, like maybe an acceleration in retirees moving t- deeper into the Valley, or is it young families setting mm. up shop or, you know? uh,
1: Well, just with COVID and people being a bit more uh, mobile, perhaps, you know, they can mm-hmm. work from home or they're looking for more space. Uh, certainly they're looking for things that are more affordable, Chilliwack used to be a long ways away, but it's not anymore. Um, today, for example, I drove out. Uh, took me one hour and 15 minutes from the main exit in Chilliwack to come right downtown Vancouver. Uh, That's pretty good. 102 kilometers. Mm. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> check that. It's not much longer than my commute this so, morning. Yeah. I would say mostly in the past, uh, people come to Chilliwack... Are coming from, say, Abbotsford or Mission, you know, maybe like 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes out, um, then they would still maybe commute into those other communities on a daily basis. But now, someone retiring, if they've got one or two years before, uh, you know, they're going to retire and they have an option to work from home one or two days a week, yeah. So, what if they have to drive into the mm-hmm. In, in Vancouver for example right mm-hmm. um before that was almost unheard of you know you would laugh at the person who had to come down to the office in Vancouver but you know now if it's one or two days a week no big deal uh so you know people working from home you even get people who are are moving with the intention that they're going to quit their jobs and find new jobs okay so just wow. uh, yeah, it's, uh Different, uh, different mix of people all coming out our way. Mm-hmm, so. Very interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, one interesting factor that's been happening in the city uh, for the past couple of years is that uh, the official community plan in the downtown area allows for lots over a cert- with a certain frontage to be subdivided. And uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, there's been a real like explosion of interest in these properties. Um, and now it's to the point where we're starting to see people who purchased those subdividable properties at the beginning of the pandemic are now flipping them, you know, selling so as I'm, is. Yes, hmm. so mostly, was that they weren't able is. to get
3: it through, or that it was taking too
1: long for them. They're
3: cashing out. Uh, it.
1: No, it was, it's more of a, like a speculative purchase okay. that you know they're not necessarily looking to subdivide and build. It's uh, more of a, a buy and hold option you know they'll uh keep it as a tenanted property uh so with the hope that a builder then buys it from them exactly mm-hmm. okay you know whether that's uh, in the near distant future that's the underlying value is in that subdivision interesting
0: So that brings us to insight number two. Inventory may be rising, but many listings are stale. The stats show that one in five listings in Vancouver region have been on the market for more than 60 days. So Ryan Wise, what you're saying is, in essence, that the top line inventory counts really, if anything, overstate the true available supply of homes.
3: Yeah, definitely. So anytime we do sort of a deep dive on listings, we always find that there's You know, only a percentage that's available to sort of the typical buyer. We did this a few months ago. We looked at listings by price point. We found a a large number of listings are just priced so much higher than most, you know, the typical buyer could afford. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, when we look at days on market, we kind of see a similar pattern emerge, which is... You know, most listings have been on the market for less than two weeks. So we, we took every listing that was on the market from last week, and we said, okay, how long have they been on? And most have been on for less than two weeks. But uh, about 19%, so over 1,900 listings, have been on the market for more than two months. So we're sort of calling these stale listings. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we sort of segmented, okay, where are these listings and what product types are they? About half of those listings represent detached homes or they're classified as detached homes in the board of Vancouver area. Right. Um, And so when you, so I went and looked at a number of these and when you, when you actually look at these listings, a lot of them aren't sort of move in ready or or turnkey listings. They're properties with that need a lot of work or maybe they're, you know, just uh, tear downs for redevelopment or even possible Mm -hmm. as part of land assembly. So because like sort of the current home is a, is an older detached home, maybe it's tenanted, maybe it's vacant entirely. Um, they get classified on the MLS as, as a detached listing, but in essence, it's a, a redevelopment site. And so if you mm-hmm. kind of look through these, you'll see a lot of them are sort of not available to just to buy and move in. And instead, you know, you get these sort of this inflated value of listings. Um, and I think the other interesting thing, a lot of these actually will be zoned for uh, multifamily development. So we looked at some where there's sort of what they call RM11. So it's for a multifamily property so Mm -hmm. there's an old house on it maybe it gets assembled with the property next door gets knocked down and townhomes go up or duplexes or fourplexes or what have you so not only is it not a true detached listing but the next time that property comes up it'll be a multifamily listing so that detached stock again as we talked about it last month that detached detached stock is declining um and so when you you know
1: when you keep looking at this you keep just seeing fewer and fewer available well isn't it interesting that we're using the word stale that there's actually stale inventory mm-hmm. when there's you know such a low level of inventory that's available. Yeah, it's like a
2: yeah, it's like a tale of two listings. I mean, that's oversimplifying it, but you're right. There's the stuff that flies off the shelf in single digits days, and then on in multiple offers, and then there's the stuff that that sits there longer. I mean that. It's a reflection of you know it's essentially this this goes back to that notion I think a little bit of of like in this market right now a house is a house is a house when we're talking about detached I don't see a ton of differentiation within more local markets between a five thousand square foot lot and eight thousand square foot lot three bedrooms four bedrooms people see a house and they want a house yeah. they want the yeah room.
3: if it's got four walls and a roof
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. If it's, if, it's, if it's in their price wheel point, then it's a house, period. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, interestingly, though, out in our end of things, uh, we've been finding that things are staying on the market a bit longer than we expected. Hmm. So mm-hmm. uh, I can probably tell you a dozen properties, at least in the last couple of weeks, that we're all expecting to get offers presented on a certain day. And there were no offers, which just wasn't heard of last year. And uh, all of a sudden there's a switch from the majority of the properties being listed with an offer date mentioned with the listing to there's no offer date. The seller will look at an offer as they come in. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, for one, I'm going to be really interested just to monitor the days on market to see how it rolls out through through this month. Yeah, I mean, do you have any sense for why why that's,
2: are prices getting to a point where, you know, buyers are not willing to jump in? Are they, is there some hesitancy related to the broader market, maybe where interest rates are going, just general uncertainty? Like, why do you think that's the case? Because that is, that is not a narrative that I've heard repeated very often. Mm-hmm. If at all.
1: Well, personally, I wonder, like, at some point, the prices almost can't keep going up. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. You, you, How can uh, the same townhouse that sold last week for X be worth X plus $100,000 two weeks later. It doesn't make any sense. There's a lot going on in the world, and I just wonder if buyers aren't pausing to question, do I want to pay that X plus $100,000 when I know that listing over there didn't get an offer or that one didn't get an offer? They're, they're not looking at offers on a certain day. Maybe I can take my time a little bit. <laughs> totally. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's an um,
2: interesting, you know, is, is it a canary in the coal mine type of mm-hmm, situation? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, does it lead to anything or is it just a blip on the radar and we're going to see, you know, we expect, we expect demand for a whole bunch of reasons including, you know, uh, related to the local economy, uh, continued in migration, record immigration, that type of thing. We expect demand to be strong. So I do, it, it will be very interesting to see if that, again is a blip or a new trend yeah
0: right and I'm just curious actually Clark with that statement there what is the price point for those properties that Mm -hmm. you're saying are staying on the Mm -hmm. market longer because I know there's a certain price point that tends to you know not be as attractive once it hits a certain threshold right so
1: yeah I I think any market in any neighborhood or region reaches a, a, a price point where the buyers go wait a minute Uh, townhouses in particular in the Chilliwack area uh, inventory has been quite low and the sales to listing ratios have been like over 100% I think Ryan so you know everything has been (laughs) flying off the shelves and condos too I might add yeah so uh, so townhouses for us uh, a decent townhouse you can find in the seven to eight hundred thousand dollar range okay that'll get you 1,700 to 2,000 square feet, maybe a little bit more, mm-hmm. nice three or four bedroom home, maybe you'll have a nice view, nice little yard, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've seen like in, in January uh, where there were a few listings listed towards the higher end of that, 779 799 go for 950 or 930 mm-hmm. which were like, wow. Uh, and sellers, I, I believe, are really questioning, uh, what do I do with my price? Because we're finding that uh, anybody who lists a property at the higher end, like, you know, similar to what the last one sold at,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's crickets as far as showing requests or at the open house. It's interesting psychology at play here. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: I feel, hmm. yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like when you put that price out there as that list price you know the, it's basically the you know you're asking for this price based on what was sold recently um, and there' was multiple offers but now coming in if you somebody were to put that price out there people may not be willing to pay for it unless they're competing it's that it is a definitely that a psychology yeah, absolutely related
1: to it. and I wonder if uh, our market out there I, I can't speak uh, for here is is a bit at that point you know where there's uh there's a limit you know maybe you've been a buyer who have have lost out many times on offers and you're at the point now where you're just going to go for it and maybe there's few of them mm-hmm. yeah i mean not, i'm not sure time will tell for sure i mean right. at
2: the end of the day for any anyone home it only takes one buyer right it only takes so. one it, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly we just
1: need the one offer yeah, just need yeah. the uh, one decent offer yeah but it's true that, you know, I think
2: I think we are, you know, this is an unscientific uh, and not corroborated by any underlying uh, quantitative forecast, but uh, perspective. But I, I totally agree with you in principle that, you know, prices do have, they sort of, they go through periods of increase and stagnation and sometimes a bit of an adjustment downwards. And then they go through another period of increase and sort of it moves up in that way. It, it doesn't tend to be linear or exponential over very, very long periods of time with just these continued unabated increases. And I think when I look at different sub-markets within this region, I get the sense that we're probably, this is my, again, this is my, my feeling is we're sort of hitting some, um, some, some pricing thresholds. It doesn't mean that there'll be less activity. I think I, I can imagine a world as we look through the rest of the year where prices stagnate a little bit. Um, I don't expect them to quote unquote correct because I don't necessarily think they're incorrect, but Mm. I do, I can see them, that increase, that rate of increase, definitely slowing, but with underlying activity remaining pretty strong. Yeah, I agree. A lot of transactions still happening. We
3: shouldn't expect to see 6% a month increases. Well, it simply can't be maintained. No. No. And to your point about thresholds, uh, to go back to the benchmark prices uh, in the Board of Vancouver, they just hit. So the detached home just hit $2 million threshold. That's a number that'll catch a lot of people's For eye. For your
2: typical detached home. Yeah,
3: your mm-hmm. typical detached home in the Vancouver area is now over $2 million, And wow. your typical townhome is over 1000000 million. Mm-hmm.
0: I've been seeing some pretty crazy new listings pop up. You know, something that's... You're looking at it and you're thinking, "Wow, this this piece of property is and this property, this house on top of it is not good." Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why anybody would want to live there in general, even for half the price, but are asking close to two million dollars for it, mm-hmm. right? And you're thinking, like, what? But I mean, close this, to two million yeah. for that dirt. And you know, the sellers are thinking, I mean, now's the time. I mean, if we want cash out now. Is yeah, like, yeah. You know, the other somebody thing- might be willing. For sure.
2: Sh- for sure, And uh, th- we are going to find, like, there's a lot of noise in the market too. You can find these individual listings or transactions that sort of sit outside what feels comfortable or normal. And we're all, we're, we're going to see that. And I think especially as the supply of detached home dwindles over time, like it's been decreasing. There are just quite simply like fewer, like physical detached home structures mm-hmm. in this region and mm-hmm. not just. It's not driven by the city of Vancouver. It's actually in every municipality we're seeing this, and it's been not happening over the past year, but over the past ten to fifteen years, and it will continue in the future. So there will be more, you know, relatively speaking, more demand chasing even less supply as we go forward. So you know, long-term detached property prices, I can see going quite a bit higher. There'll be a mm-hmm. lot fewer of them, yes, yeah. but I but they've accelerated so much in, in yeah. the in the recent past that I you know I think that there's a bit of bit of fatigue and sort of Mm -hmm. like uh this 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 idea of sort of
1: hitting the hitting the brakes a bit yeah for many buyers to what you said justine you know i i see the mediocre ones where people see that price and go wow like that's a lot to pay for that Mm -hmm. property as opposed to a nicer home that would be more desirable like the the more the desirable ones will sell and uh, Mm -hmm. i think the ones that perhaps have more likelihood to become stale will be the ones where people have that the feeling they can see that yeah that that price doesn't that's yeah. too much to pay right so
0: everybody has a threshold right as their bottom <laughs> line in prices and in property well you know what's yeah. interesting is that the fact that you're classifying anything that's 60 days and over as stale yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. previously yeah. before that that's kind of like a normal market right? yeah. like being on the market for so roughly when 30 so we look 45 to 60 45, days. To
3: days yeah and we look at days on market for what's sold in the past and like it varies between right now it's like low single digits but two weeks used to be normal and so two weeks Mm -hmm. to a month or two months was you know not unreasonable and i think like 90 days was more of that term but it's it's very clear like i think 60 days was the right segmentation for this right now
0: yeah another thought i have on this is a lot of times you know when we see something and we find that there's no attraction right away we're not garnishing enough attention. Um, you know, the agent in itself prior to that that one month cut off they're going to cancel that listing and relist it anyways.
3: Mm-hmm. For some of them, they're just waiting for a builder to come along. So, you know, and like the way the like, you know, the one home builders who like buy a lot, mm-hmm. demo, build and then move on to the next one. So I think they're hoping for like somebody who's doing that to hit the next point in their cycle. But that's not everyone. Like some of them just are hoping that next builder comes along and they don't oh, care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you for wait sure. for the market to, to come to you.
0: Yeah. You, it's always you know, just posted out there hoping that somebody would come and reach out. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most realtors have their clients set up to be automatically notified if a property of a certain price range or type comes on the market in their email. So the practice of canceling and relisting, if you know the days on market gets to be too many it's very common, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly, I, I can see though on these type of redevelopment properties where you know what's the point of canceling and relisting? You're not trying to get the the typical kind of buyer. You're getting like the specialized developer type client who's looking for those, and you know they. They know what's out there. Well, that's what, exactly. They're
2: aware, and yes. they're waiting for the market to move to a space where that price makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: They they know the, those yeah. type of clients. Yeah. Yeah. They know you can't trick them with a new listing. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap tricks. Yeah, it's the same listing.
0: You never know. Something that didn't look so good before may look much better twenty days Maybe.
1: from now. Maybe sunny yeah. picture. <laughs> yeah
0: right so yeah only time will tell we'll see so that leads us into our third insight interest rates aren't starting to increase they've been rising for more than a year so my question to you ryan berlin this is a interesting one did the bank of canada just start to increase its policy interest rate in the past couple of weeks or
2: it is an interesting one no pun intended (laughs) Um. (laughs) um Yeah, you know, it's funny, like hearing how the market is being discussed or, or some of the factors that influence the market, and specifically this notion that, hey, you know, we're entering a period where interest rates are going to be increasing. And I definitely think that that's going to be true, right? You know, we just recently published a report called the Ready Outlook, which forecasts a bunch of housing market related um, dimensions um, for 2022. And one of those is, the Bank of Canada's policy interest rate, and we expect it to go up by four or five increments of quarter point, a, a quarter point. And so, we just so uh, by the time everyone's listening to this, it will have been about two weeks ago that the Bank of Canada um, doubled their policy interest rate, right? Going from a mm-hmm. quarter of a percentage point to half a percentage point, so it went up by twenty-five basis points. So, not a significant absolute increase, but sort of the beginning of what is expected to be many increases. And um, the reason they're doing that is, is twofold. One, because that policy interest rate, which kind of in a way dictates interest rates, all kinds of other interest rates in the economy, is, is too low. Like it, it, the reason it's so low was because of COVID to encourage people to continue to spend when the, when the economy was starting to clam up. Um, so a real disincentive to save, an incentive to borrow and to spend. We don't necessarily need that additional fuel being thrown on on the fire, so to speak, now because the economy has really normalized. So we're going to start to move back to a, you know, a more comfortable, maybe one and a half to two percent policy interest rate over the next couple of years. So that's one reason they're doing it. Another reason they're starting to increase now is that, you know, obviously inflation has been running hot, and running hotter than, um, running hotter and longer than many of us expected. Longer than I expected, but for for reasons that were not really anticipated. A lot of it has to do with supply chain disruptions, um, and you know. So you have to ask yourself, though, you know, how much do interest rate hikes really impact things like the cost of oil, the cost of grains, which right now are going through the roof because of the war in Ukraine. So you know how effective that will be remains to be seen. But there's a couple of reasons the bank's increasing its rate. But this is, you know, this is why people are talking about rates going up. The reality is rates have been in a housing market context have been going up f- since February of last year. And we look at um, discounted average discounted rates for five-year fixed mortgages. So essentially think of it as the contract, the, the, the rate that somebody actually has on their contract that they sign off on and that they pay, you know, that was at a low of around 1.4% at the beginning of last year. And it's, it's around 2% now. So we've seen, You know, a 40% increase in that rate and against that backdrop of an increasing interest rate, um, mortgage rate, uh, record resales in this region, uh, record pre-sales, and also record prices. So that's kind of important context for me as we look ahead uh, as interest rates are expected to continue to increase that that doesn't on its own rising interest rates doesn't doesn't mean that there'll be a real negative impact for the market. And, you know, that's almost, I'm almost saying that, I'm not saying that as somebody who works at a, <laughs> a real estate company and isn't that great. You know, if you're a buyer and you expect rising interest rates to calm the market or to create opportunity, I'm not, I'm not convinced that's necessarily going to be the case because I don't expect a rapid rise in rates either. Um, and I think there's a whole bunch of reasons why, um, rising interest rates won't have a significant impact on our market. Um, One is just that experience from the past year that we've seen record activity against this backdrop of rising rates. Um, One big thing that isn't often talked about is, you know, people who are renewing right now existing homeowners Mm -hmm. who locked in five years ago, um, they're going from, you know, 2.8 to 3.2% on their current contract to renewing at a lower rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, things are objectively better for
3: those existing owners. And that excludes the people who broke their mortgage to refinance at an even lower rate last year. Mm -hmm. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, obviously,
2: you know, for people who are in a situation where rising rates are leading to... Higher renewal rates for them. You, you know, you do have the the option to refinance as well to makes to to spread out your to extend your amortization period to lower your payments. But you are renewing typically on a lower outstanding balance at the end of your contract term as well. So that on its own, all else being equal, should lower payments. So there are those things to consider. But also, you know, one other thing we've we've talked about the amount of mortgage free equity that exists in this market. Um, currently we estimate about $450 billion in Metro Vancouver alone. Well, if you think about, you know, oh, oh, so overall, if we look at all homeowners and their principal residents, 40% of them are mortgage-free and two thirds of baby boomer owners are mortgage-free, two thirds. Mm. So for all of them who are maybe downsizing, maybe moving from a detached home on the West side of Vancouver to a townhome in Chilliwack, you can imagine the purchasing power they have and they are not interest rate sensitive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's, and and there are a lot of other reasons to think that rising interest rates are not going to have a major, major impact, including the fact that over time, the wages continue to increase by two to 4% per year. So even if you're facing a higher interest rate in five years, your income um, your has gone up, your ability to afford or to buy has, has probably gone up as well. We talk about the bank of mom and dad. Um, you know, often that bank of mom and dad is that mortgage-free baby Mm -hmm. boomer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they can offset any sort of declines in purchasing power associated with a rise in interest rates with a little bit of a bigger gift, you know, for those who are lucky enough to have access to that. And not everyone does. I think, I think rising interest rates really primarily negatively impact that first time home buyer who does not have access to additional resources Mm -hmm. and specifically, let's say a higher down payment I think that's where we see the bite on interest rates um, but more broadly I think that interest rates alone are not enough to really slow the market and I don't know like Clark like if if some of the buyers or sellers that you're working with if this whole interest rate calculus is entering
1: into the equation for them not so much uh, if you already have an existing mortgage like you're saying it's 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 not on your radar Right. Uh, It, in my opinion, it's the first-time buyers. It's the ones who've been chasing the market, trying to get in. They've been pre-approved for a mortgage of X uh, for a certain number of days at a certain rate. And uh, you know, if they're not successful in purchasing a property within that time frame, they're watching rates because that Mm -hmm. just diminishes their purchasing power a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. I I agree, Ryan. I, I don't think that this slight increase is going to come anywhere near making any impact. It is tough. And we've talked about
3: the share of first-time buyers has decreased in this market of late. So the total number of sales for first-time buyers was up last year, but the share of purchases was mm-hmm. down. So in this rising rate environment, if they're the ones sort of disproportionately affected, that share could drop even more in 2022.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we know that, you know, we've, we've I think we've discussed it on this podcast before, that if you sort of perform one of those, uh, Keteris paribus is scenarios as economists <laughs> like to say that the all else being equal scenario where, um, you know, so let's say for a first time home buyer, they have a certain income level, uh, a certain down payment that they're working with a quarter of a point of, uh, increase in their borrowing costs and in the interest rate that they're facing will reduce their purchasing power by just over 2%. So there, I mean, there is an impact there, um, mathematically, mm-hmm. um, and you know over the course of the year, if we do see four to five increases then yeah you're talking about eventually that starts to stack up uh, and amounts to you know it could be a 10 to 12 percent reduction in purchasing power for that first time for that first time home buyer but you know where it stands right now um, and and from where we're looking at forward, we expect these the rate increases at least from the Bank of Canada to be quite measured and intentional
3: mm-hmm. because
2: you know, Part of their mandate really <laughs> is to provide some stability to our currency in Canada. And that means providing stability to the economy. Two-thirds of people in Canada are homeowners. And so anything, any decision they make that really negatively impacts the housing market is going to have a knock-on effect for the broader economy. Mm-hmm. So so I think we should expect I My personal feeling is actually, we're probably gonna come in with fewer increases in the next year than we previously anticipated. Um, Part of it is the economic uncertainty that's caused by the war in Ukraine. Um, Yeah, it could wrap up with a ceasefire tomorrow and we can can move forward Um, or it could expand and have broader economic consequences for us. So that's the uncertainty that sort of needs to be um, sorted out. Mm -hmm.
0: Sir, Ryan, just quickly, I want to ask, when you're at, talking about the baby boomers being mortgage-free, right? So the mortgage aspect of things, does that count into the line of credit as well or just mortgage in itself?
2: That's a very good question. So when I use the term mortgage-free, I mean it in its literal sense relating to the mortgage. So they may have a, um, a line of credit tied to their home, so a HELOC. Um, mm-hmm. and then the data that we use to estimate uh, mortgage-free incidents comes from the census. So it's really, it, it's a question that you answer. Your, if, if you're asked in the census form, are you mortgage-free? You know, how do you interpret that? Is yeah. it I have no debt related to my house or is I literally do not have a mortgage? So the best the best that we can ascertain not knowing those details is that it's people without a mortgage. So it's possible that they also have uh, a HELOC that they're mm-hmm. drawing on.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. All right.
0: Thanks for answering that question.
1: I think we talked about this before we started recording about the other factors that are going on in the market aside from the interest rate increase announcement that in the minds of the buyer, there's a lot going on in the world. You know, there's problems in the Ukraine, gas prices are (laughs) through the roof. I paid 217 a litre this morning before I filled up to come out here when I filled up. Expensive trip uh, for you here, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get The expense the, forms coming to your desk. <laughs> the news is about white-hot inflation. Gas prices are through the roof. There is trouble in Ukraine. And now they're talking about interest rates. Interest rates finally went up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. those are all combined factors that, you know, play on a buyer's mind. So, um, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, I think, I think,
2: um, I think a lack of certainty definitely uh, slows the pace of activity in, in any market, especially one where there's, this is, you know, for, for people who are participating in the housing market, it's the biggest outlay you're going to make in your in your life, right? Yeah, So absolutely. we want to make sure it's the right move. And so, yeah, I think to the extent that there's m- uncertainty piled on uncertainty, that that could really slow the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's other more fundamental factors, right, that we've talked about with employment growth projected to be f- quite strong in the range of you know three to four percent for this region this year um, we're already our employment is above the pre-pandemic level so our labor market has been very strong wages have been rising um, fairly robustly and then we look at all of the domestic and international migration mm-hmm. into this region there is this demand tailwind right um, that then sort of is the counterpoint to the uncertainty or yeah. the or the headwinds and so you know, how does it play out?
1: Um, yeah, remains to be seen. A lot to consider. It's nice to see more listings come on the market. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just uh, more options for buyers. Uh, gives them some light. And you can see
3: there's still a lot of buyers out there because a lot of homes mm-hmm. are still selling quite quickly. I yeah, know we absolutely. talked about the stale listings then, but there's a lot a lot of homes in February and, you know, we look daily. So early in March, a lot of listings have come up and a lot of homes yeah. are selling quickly early in March. Yeah, we've been receiving uh, yeah.
0: a lot of new listings coming up, a lot of new, a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I'm mm-hmm. expecting there to be a lot more inventory coming out in the next little while.
1: Everything will sell at the right price. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> at the right price, we will see.
0: Yeah.
1: Having conversations with sellers recently has been challenging. You know, they they want some certainty about how much they're going to get mm-hmm. and uh, they have, maybe have a a non-greedy, can't think of a better way to put that, reason why they want to sell. You know, what's their objective, right? And uh, no matter what price that we come up with or what strategy we may uh, adopt to sell their property, uh, the demand is there. So, you know, if we're a bit overpriced, it's okay. At some particular point, the demand is there to that the, they will be successful in selling their home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... I think I just said that in another way, the same way. No, I think it's really good. uh,
0: And honestly, I think it's all relative because if you are selling your home, you're selling it and you're getting a lot for your property, but you also have to think when you turn to the flip side, when they have to buy a property, they're also probably paying a premium as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that being said, it's It's not always just money. It's not just money in your pocket. You know, it could be unless you're down really downsizing. Yeah.
1: Well, if you move out to Chilliwack, hopefully you can yes, put or some come extra money Clark. in your pocket. Exactly. We'll help you with that.
0: <laughs> so thank you so much, Clark, for providing all the details that you've had. Just one last thing I wanted to ask you if you can provide any final advice for home buyers or home sellers, um, just a takeaway in this current market right now, anything that you would want to share?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, I want buyers to make sure that they know their numbers. You know, make mm-hmm. sure you've spoken to your mortgage professional, uh, understand what you can afford and and be realistic about that you know you may be able to afford a mortgage of a certain amount but uh, be careful you know don't uh, overextend yourself you know there's uh, a lot to life rather than worrying about how you're going to pay your mortgage mm-hmm. uh, uh, secondly with buyers I like to tell them to keep their expectations realistic so many buyers I find, Watch HDTV, HDTV, or they watch the Renault shows, and they they think they're going to co- come into a home and it's it's going to be all all the bells and whistles and everything's done. In this market, uh, typically, I tell buyers uh, if this is how much you want to spend, don't look at that those listings. Look at the listings that are less than that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll go in, have to compete in multiple offers. Be prepared to roll up your sleeves and paint or do some things yourself uh, there's there's no necessity for it to be the way you want it on day one eventually you can make the home how you want it okay Mm -hmm. and lastly while being out in chilliwack and seeing how many buyers agents not from chilliwack uh, come to our market i always like to recommend work with a local realtor whether that's in chilliwack or in any market um if you're selling in Vancouver and you're moving to Langley or Surrey, ask your realtor for a referral for somebody who actually does a lot of work in that market. You know, they, they can tell you what streets to be on, you know, what, what the schools are like, really, because they live there and they work in that market.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so often I see somebody purchase a house. They don't know the neighborhood. It was just the right price and a nice house. And they have regrets afterwards. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of those kind of things that you can sidestep if you work with somebody who's local, wherever that may be. That's, that's great. a great tip. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's
0: that's really sound advice. I think um, we can all, you know, use that personally ourselves yeah. too. I have right? lots of
1: stories of people who have bought things and gone, oh, I didn't know that the garbage trucks all parked on the back street there at 7 a.m. every morning, you know. Or the flock of geese live in the field out back. and they <laughs> 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 The
0: geese are really becoming a problem. I, you know, they're just going to all the fields.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, it is a season.
3: Who, Who likes geese? geese? Yeah. Who likes geese? I don't know. Seriously. It's always worse in the spring.
0: It is really bad, especially by the playgrounds. My goodness. Oh,
3: yeah, it's gross.
0: <laughs> so thank you so much for that, um, that sound advice. And if people wanted to find out more information about you or they wanted to reach out to you, how can they do so?
1: I think the easiest way is just through the Rennie.com website. Look up Clark Mallory.
0: Perfect. Yeah, Clark's Google, informations Google. are all there. <laughs> Google Clark yep. Mallory and uh, you'll find all his details. So on today's podcast, we covered three main insights. Everything in the Vancouver region's resale market is increasing. Inventory may be rising, but many listings are stale. And interest rates aren't starting to increase. They've been rising for more than a year. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Rennie Podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out our latest Rennie review and our other intelligence information on rennycom intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Clark, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and your lengthy and expensive drive down here. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well worth it. I
1: get to be in a room with real people. So that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. that is very true. And yeah. we enjoyed the company as well.
0: Me. Thank you, Ryan Berlin. Ryan Wise, always a pleasure. No, uh, Look Justin. forward to yeah, our next thanks session. so much. Awesome.
1: Thanks, Clark. Thank yeah, you're you. welcome, guys. Happy to be here.
0: The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on Rennie.com.